Blog Talk Radio. Reality Radio Entertainment presents Behind the Curtain with your hosts, Jane Harris and Kathy Barrett. I'm Kathy Barrett, and welcome to Behind the Curtain, which is a show about how we navigate down the not-so-yellow-brick road of life. And life is something we shouldn't do alone, so I invite you to spend the next 30 minutes with me as I reveal what's behind the curtain. And today's show reveal is about the triumph of the human spirit and the miracles we can create when we have faith. Our guest today is Jean Potter, the author of By the Grace of God, a 9-11 survivor story of love, hope, and healing. When Jean arrived at the 81st floor of the North Tower to go to work for Bank of America on the early morning of September 11th, she had no idea that her life would be altered forever. And yet she took this life-shattering experience that robbed her of all her certainty and used it to manifest an even more fulfilling life for herself. So first of all, let me welcome Jean. Hi, Kathy. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Thank you, thank you. It's I'm, an honor. I'm so, so thrilled that you are here. First of all, I just want to say, even though we're, uh, we're going to be talking about the work that you're involved in now, which is mm-hmm. volunteering in, in a prison um, mm-hmm. with women and counseling them, I just want to say I have read your book four, five, six times. Every time I read it, I am just so touched, moved, and inspired by what you and your husband went through. And it's it's such an inspirational story. So I really appreciate from one human being to the other that you're sharing this incredible experience with the rest of us. It's so personal and so private on so many levels, and yet, you know, you you really put it out there for all of us to to learn from. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. We we are so blessed, and that's definitely part of the message that I want people to to see and hear and read about. We are truly blessed, my husband and I. And I want to. I have to tell our listeners out here that we actually. This is a, it's it's really something how there are no accidents and the kind of like irony in this that you and I worked together in the in our early twenties in the in the nineteen eighties mm-hmm. early eighties. Uh, in the in fashion industry, we worked for Calvin Klein Sportswear, and uh, and that's how we met. And I mean, when you think about it, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? Who would have thought, when we knew each other then, that we would be sitting here now talking about this? It's unbelievable. And how many years have gone by, and we always pick up where we left off, even if a year or two go goes by, we you and I pick up where we left off all the time. It's true. It's We have that unique connection, and I, I really, really love that. And it, it happens, um, you know, quite a bit, and I really cherish that, you know, um, as well as both of our lives in one way or, or the other have always kind of, you know, intertwined in way, in some bizarre way. We were doing exactly the same thing at the same time, even though, you know, we were not particularly speaking in that moment, you know, or, or you know, friendly or not friend, not that we were out of sorts with each right. other, but, Just a little you know, we would lose touch for, for a year or here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, today you are kicking off a new series that um, is called What Are You Doing to Change Our World, uh, which profiles ordinary people making extraordinary contributions um, by being of service 
to others. And so I just want to say that, okay, the events of 9-11, really you lost your home because you lived in Battery Park City. Mm-hmm. You lost your job. You suffered with post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. And your husband, Dan, who is a New York City, retired New York City firefighter now, was injured in the collapse of South Tower 1. So i got to ask you this. What emotional roadmap did you follow to get from devastation to healing? Well, initially we were truly guided by angels and Jesus. I I truly feel that Jesus' plan to save my husband's life began actually on Good Friday of 2001, which, which I detail in the book. That was part of the plan that began to save his life because where he was, he survived the black zone where everyone was killed, not once but twice. And um, initially, we really weren't functioning at all. We were, we were just barely functioning, I would say. And I always say that we were guided by, by angelic guides, spirits, voices. We couldn't get home for three weeks. And then when we did, um, that December, we had to move because we could no longer stay, live in, in we used to face the towers. And it was just too heart-wrenching to remain there. I mean, you could feel the soul energy of 3,000 people who were killed, and uh, it, it was unbearable for us to remain, so we moved to Westchester. Again, we were guided because we really weren't functioning normally. Our thought process, my brain was actually on slow, which um, yeah. usually it's very quick. It was operating on a very slow speed which I found out, I attended a Red Cross uh, seminar, and the woman had said, because you had been through so much trauma, if your brain was functioning at a normal speed, it would have been repeating it, repeating it, repeating it, and it would have been healthy for you. Um, uh, it was interesting. We were guided. We were truly guided in those initial, I would say, six months. And I actually commuted um, to Bank of America from Bronxville, which is where we relocated, until September of 2002. And that's when I just I had enough, couldn't do it anymore. Oh uh, well, I and also like so you're you're in your apartment, right? You can't go back there because obviously I I know other people that couldn't go back to Battery Park where they lived, you know, for months and months and months. But right. your particular apartment happened to face the towers, correct? Yeah. You had a view of. So not only did you have to look at that every day, but then the noise and the construction and, all, you know, all the work that was going on, uh, the recovery process went on for, what, like a year? Or um, i trying to remember. It was even May. longer than that. <clears throat> it actually so, May. I'm sorry. I'm sorry until I believe May of the following year. May of the following year. So there was one thing that I, I felt, you know, there's so much negative uh uh, frets about this woman, but I, when I read this, I was really, really impressed. Um, you were staying at at one point at the Hemsley Hotel um, because you know Dan, uh, Dan was still in, involved with the recovery process every day, and you were working temporarily at the headquarters on 57th Street uh, mm-hmm. for Bank of America. So you were staying at that hotel, and mm-hmm. can you tell the story that she she sees you and and Dan and. She had seen us limp out of the hotel, I think it was that Saturday, several days before we weren't walking properly. I mean, I had walked down 81 flights in heels, and Dan was injured. Um, And she she must have asked who we were. And then when she found out, she presented a check to the New York City Police and Fire Widows and Children Benefit Fund for $5 million. Um, And she was very kind to us during our stay there. We We were there approximately three weeks because we... 
Battery Park City was totally destroyed. I mean, I had the windows open on top of everything else, and all of that debris was in our home, but we had no water, no nothing. And we had no mail service even for weeks and weeks after once we did get in. But that was pretty amazing that she she did that. That's pretty special, really special. So, okay, so you get out. You don't like the commuting. I mean, as you're saying, you're going through this process, and it's you see that you're just not yourself, and you have all this trauma to deal with. And then, um, so how do you get from, uh, you know, coming from the city and then you moved where? I'm sorry, you moved up, not to Pennsylvania, right? Bronxville, right. And so you go there and then you change careers. You were doing real estate and... I I tried to reinvent myself, which is what I have been doing since I resigned from Bank of America. And I became a realtor, which is really not for me. I mean, you must love selling homes <laughs> in order it's not a great thing to do people look at you like you are you know it's just it wasn't for me and i began working in a country club there was five one country club in bronx which was fun but again not really i was just trying to figure out what i needed to do with myself and my life and we were in bronx about three Three years. Dan did hospice work there. He became president of our co-op board. People of Bronxville were absolutely wonderful. That's where we began to heal. It was a little quieter. It was a beautiful village. And then, so then you decide. Uh, I love the story where you, your husband comes home one day and he and he says, "What are we doing here?" I, the question, right? And why would that come out of his mouth? And I said, "I don't know. Why are we here?" And we thought about different places to live. And since my parents were in Pennsylvania. His entire family was out on Long Island, and that really would have been too far for me to see my parents. I mean, that that would have been about four hours away. And my, my parents live in this beautiful community, Hemlock Farms, which is where we now live, and I support about Hemlock. And I went online, and I found this, this adorable little brand-new house, and I called my parents up. I said, I think we're coming to look at a house this weekend. And they were screaming on the phone. They're like, what? And, again, Jesus just led us because we really – didn't know quite what to do, where to go, um, and this place has truly helped us heal. The quiet, the animals, I mean, animals are God's gift to us, and uh, nature, it really, we, we really began to catch our breath here. Well, you're not kidding, you were led by Jesus, because I can't believe you live in Lord's Valley, Pennsylvania. I know, it's like, I know. It's just... that's what we would say, could you imagine that? <laughs> That's a little crazy. Now, I see we have a caller, so hold on, Jean. I'm going to let the caller come on. Sure. Here we go. Hello? Hi, it's Larry. How are you? Hi, Larry. I've been pre-warned that this gentleman was going to call today. This is Larry Rothenberg, and Larry actually worked with us at Calvin Klein Sportswear, Many, many moons ago. Welcome, Larry. How are you today? Hi. Hi, Gina. Larry. Larry, how are you? Oh, my God. It is Oh, my God. I know. It's like you, too. It's like we never left, you know? Oh, Oh my God. That's what this is. Oh, this is amazing. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm sorry. My computer wasn't on, so I couldn't really hear your story. I couldn't. My computer was down today, of course. But it's so nice to talk to you. I'm glad you're doing okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We are wonderful. We are wonderful. I hope you are well. I hope everything is good for you. 
Yeah, thank you. I'm doing really well. Thanks. I, I've been keeping in touch with Kathy and always hear good things about you. So. Oh, thank you. And I hear good things about you as well. Okay, Larry, you have to tune in then on September 6th because Jean will be back with us and she'll be, you know, sharing uh, the book. All the all. Okay, the, definitely the I will. Oh, and so make you. sure you tune in today, um, I mean, uh, on September 6th for that. But if you want to hang on here and just, you know, be with us and it'll be like old days, you're welcome to do that. So, Jean, you get to Lord's Valley and you decide that you want to volunteer at Pike County Correctional Facility uh, counseling female inmates. How did that opportunity come to you? How did you find well, that in your healing? It, um I just I started volunteering about a year ago. Initially, again, I tried to get a job. There really there's no business up here, so there really is not much in terms of work. Um, I was volunteering a little bit with my husband. He's a disaster services manager for the American Red Cross. He volunteers as the disaster services manager. I was helping him with fundraising. I was very very busy with my house. I got my realtor's license again in PA, which lasted about a month. <laughs> like this has to go in escrow. This doesn't work. Um, and my husband was actually familiar with the facility. It's, it's several miles from here. And I thought, and a lot of our neighbors volunteer. They run many programs for inmates. I mean, it really, the recidivism rate is extremely low. And I, I, I thought, well, might be interesting, but I, I, I kind of have issues with being not near, not being able to exit quickly after 9-11, being on the 81st floor. I always like to know I can get Oh, my up. God. So I, I am so claustrophobic. First of all, we, I can't wait to talk to you about how you got down 81 flight stairs, you know, in, in record time. You made it like, I think you got through that in an hour or something like that, yeah. a little over an hour. Yeah. That's yeah. a miracle. And then to go from that, all the trauma you went through, to be able to give up all of, you know, your bag, your keys, your identity, and walk into this prison. I don't know how you do that every week. I really don't. Well, I, I, I love it so much. But the first time, my first meeting, I was very uncomfortable because, you know, I mean, they call it, look at your friend of mine, they call it a, the slammer for a reason. You know, you go through a series <laughs> of slamming electronic doors that close behind you. And I had a first meeting, and yes, my heart was palpitating a bit, and, it's, it's, I counsel the females. There are about maybe 20 females, roughly, give or take, but it's a male facility, and there are over 300 male inmates at all times. And, you know, you have male inmates roaming freely, you know, but, again, it's a very controlled. It's a wonderfully run facility. And I was a little nervous, you know, but, um, you know, I faced my fears. That wasn't the reason why I, I went in to face my fears, but I did. And then the first session I had with one of my women, this uh, corrections officer brings me into a room, and and he has the key, and they said, oh, my goodness, he is going to lock me in here. Well, of course, that's for my safety. I'm locked in the room. And and for that fleeting moment, I said, oh, my God, i got to get out of here. But that really that didn't last very long. And I just I find it such an honor to be able to counsel these women who are very wounded and maybe have made bad choices and maybe have substance abuse issues um, or depression, bipolar, and, you know. So I did face my fears. I didn't really think I was going to do that going in, but, um, and it also, it's very strange. When I put everything in that locker, it's like a sense of freedom. I mean, all my jewelry, everything, I don't have my watch. 
and you walk in, and like I'm going into going into jail set me free. It's very strange. Wow, wow I love and that. And I didn't do it Gina, for me. That is it's so powerful. That statement, did. really powerful. It going to jail set me free, and I wasn't thinking about myself, obviously. Yeah. It, but it really it set me free, and I just love seeing the women that I see, and they are all very, very different from very different backgrounds, with very different issues. And um, the one thing, how I connect with them very briefly, I just explain to them that my husband and I are 9/11 survivors, and just as Jesus gave us another chance at life that day, incarceration is giving them another chance, and they really get that. They really get that. Wow. So we have this instant Ugh, connection. That's no very moving. Are, I'm, like, moved by that. No matter who they are, no matter what their age, no matter what their circumstance, there's an instant connection there. And um, it is truly a privilege for me. I feel like I am close to God. When you mentioned before, Kathy, being of service, well, yeah. it is being of service. And when you work in, in corporate America, you, you're just helping businesses and wealthy men. And I, I love the people I work with. This is not a negative you're just helping them make more money. But here, you're truly oh. being service. And you're truly helping somebody. Feel, this is what I feel that God wants me to do. And I'm just, I'm, it's a privilege. It really is a privilege. So how do you go, because you're, you know, I mean, you have your experiences in life, and you've always been the kind of person that has, has just been a very deep thinker, and your, in, in, you know, intuitive powers are have always been amazing to me. Um and, but but yet you don't have a, psycholo- a psychology degree or or training in that way, and and you go in to this kind of rough environment. So what is your counseling program like? What how did you design it? What what do you do? Well, it's very simply. It's called counseling with Gene Potter, and I basically talk to them, actually listen to them, and again, everyone. I guess being a sensitive person, um, I just go in and listen to them. I open up with my statement that, you know, that we are survivors and uh, basically listen to them. It's all about listening to them and what they have to say to me. And then, you know, um, I know what to expect for the next week. I make my notes. And I I must tell you, prayer is a huge piece of what I do because I will pray for the women that I counsel and they each have different issues. And the next week, I will see my prayers answered. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Whether it be that they want the week to go quickly, or whether it be that they want their spirit to be lifted, um, or whether they're worried about their pets at home, you know, I see I see how the prayers work. I mean, I always believed in prayer, but mm. I see it in action. It's unbelievable. That's really something. Well, I, I'll tell you, when I, I started to read about... Uh, you know, the prison, I was really very, very impressed that, you know, their recidivism rate is really low. I think, um, what is it, uh, the likelihood for inmates to return once they're released uh, has gone from 67% to less than 20 and yeah. um, And just about the environment that they create, but it's basically they reach out to the community and the community, you know, reaches into them. And so they change that environment from something that could be degrading and predatory kind of an atmosphere, um, you know, into um, an atmosphere where they're learning job skills, they're being given support, 
Um, so they have a different kind of safety and, and self-respect. Uh, those elements are being introduced to them in a way that's uh, also, you know, very healing. And then if they kind of participate in these programs, they get, um, I think it helps towards an early release. So I just was, you know, like, wow, why isn't everyone doing that? That's what you you know, why not? I mean, people are in prison to begin with because they don't <laughs> have, you know, education or they need more counseling or, you know what I'm saying? They're, they, they're not getting that positive reinforcement that they're mm-hmm. getting now uh, mm-hmm. to hopefully, you know, be able to give them some skills to leave with. I know. I, I don't understand. And, I mean, they have programs running every day, all day long. I mean, if it's, if it's for the GED or they do have Bible study, or there are many programs. Mine is a little different. It, it is one-on-one. It's probably the only one-on-one. They do have counselors there, obviously, but they feel very free speaking with me. Um, I, I can understand that. I mean, you, you definitely have always been that kind of, you know, people magnet, you know. Um, you. So what, what's the, the greatest thing that you've learned from listening to them without, you know, kind of revealing any private information, but I mean just life lesson-wise? What I think is very general is, is we should never judge another person. You know, mm. some of, I mean, if you look at some of my inmates, you would think, you know, maybe a person would tend to judge them, and I think it's important we not judge them. You know, because they're, they're wounded souls. They're um, the woman that I initially, director of programs, who has since retired. She would always say, "Inmates are people too," and that's very true. You know, I think it's, it's important that we not judge them, and um, they value not only me and my volunteering. They value volunteers because we're not we don't get paid. And they just value that, that we take our time and do for them. And, and they're truly, I mean, they are stripped of everything. And, yes, it is jail. They have to be. They, they did crimes, and obviously there is punishment for their crimes. But, um, you know, it, it's, they do appreciate what is being done for them. And, it's, I mean, it's, they have given me a purpose. I, they are just amazing. And they're also different, you know. So how many times do you do this a week, or how many women do you do it at, at one time? Right now I do once a week. Um, I'm busy with the book. I probably will increase that because the past, you know, it's been really crazy just even getting the book done. Um, and sometimes I have more than one woman to see, and we usually do it separately. They've been asking me to run groups, but I'm really not sure um, what I'd like to do with that. But I, I would like to do more. I definitely would like to do more. I look forward to seeing them, and I think they look forward to seeing me, but they're just wonderful souls who aren't as lucky as we have been, you know. Right. And um, so do they So they have to sign up to see you, in other words? Yes. But again, They have I'm to request that you, you... Yes, they have to request me, but again... I'll, some of the programs are mandatory for them to be released, but mine isn't. And I always, uh, since we we started my weekly schedule in January, and I have had at least one person or more than two people every week, except for one week when they were on lockdown. <laughs> so, I mean, it's great. Oh. I mean, I love it because they, they don't have to see me, but it's, it's, it's good. We have good talks. And what is the gift that you're taking away from from working with with them 
for yourself? The gift is, what they've given me is I feel like they have given me my purpose back because since 9-11 I've been trying to reestablish what am I supposed to be doing and the book has definitely been tremendous and I hope I I help many people who are still suffering (coughs) but they have given me my purpose this is what God wants me to do now and that's truly a gift it is a gift. Now, can we go back, because I, I, I know we're kind of doing this backwards, but just in terms of, of your experience, um, I can't, I couldn't get over the synchronicity involved. You know, all of the things that happened leading up to September 11th and during that whole entire day, that mm-hmm. it wasn't like, I mean, you know, 3,000 people perished that day, and you and Dan survived, and you were at various times of that day, uh, could have, you know, gone at any moment. But so many little things came into play to prevent that from happening. Um, uh, Is this okay to go into a little now, Gina, or you want to wait? Sure, sure. Okay. Like, one of the things I was amazed of is the morning of September 11th, you get up and Dan makes this great omelet for you. He gets mm-hmm. up early to make you a good breakfast. You had to be in work like 7.30 in the morning. Right. And so, you know, he had to get up pretty early to start doing that kind of fancy cooking in the morning. And so just even that alone provided you with like this great, you know, protein to, to make right. it through this, you know, know. devastating day. And know. and then you, you because you're having, um, uh, what was it, uh, corporate visitors from the, from the main right. headquarters, mm-hmm. he decided to wear slightly lower heels because you knew you were going right. to be extra active, you know, running around, around exactly. doing a lot of things. Just and, and talk about some of the other things that came up, um, the bag, your pur- your purse. Well, that would have slowed me down. I went back to grab it as soon yeah. as we were hit. I mean, I literally was thrown out of my chair, and the building was swaying from side to side. There was smoke filled the air immediately and the smell of jet fuel, which is what I now know that it was the smell of jet fuel. And I went back to grab my bag, and one of my associates, Ben Lovett, just grabbed me by the hand. He said, no, not now. And that, I know that would have slowed my descent, because I cleared the building by three minutes before the South Tower started coming down. I looked at my watch. It was 9.55 as I was getting out of the building. Walked one block, and in those three minutes, the South Tower started coming down. That would have slowed my descent. I mean, some of my associates were did remain in the in the North Tower as the South Tower collapsed and all that debris went into the building, they had to crawl their way out of darkness, which was mm. you know, very horrifying for them. But um although three thousand people perished, many people survived because it was earlier in the day. Again, that was a blessing. Any if it were an hour later I wouldn't have gotten out. Because there would have been more people. It was also election day, so people were running late because they had to vote. So, you know, I yeah. was very lucky. Well, I can't believe well. this, but we are at two minutes and 39 seconds, Jane, if you can believe that. So, actually, no. that you just got a taste of what's going to happen on September 6th when you tune back into Behind the Curtain because this is the most extraordinary story you will hear about Jean Potter and uh, her husband, Dan, a New York City retired firefighter and their experiences that day. I want to thank you for coming. Larry, it was so much fun to have you. You are such a cutie on the phone with us because I miss you and I, I miss some things about those days. 
Uh, Jean, really, it was an honor. What the work that you're doing is remarkable. I celebrate you, and I thank you for all that you contribute. You are and always have been an inspiration to me. Everybody, the book is By the Grace of God, a 9-11 survivor story of love, hope, and healing. And uh, the best place to, for people to purchase the book is authors.com, authorshouse.com. Is that correct, Jean? Authorhouse.com. Authorhouse.com. A-U-T-H-O-R house.com. Authorhouse.com. And thank you. And just hang on with me, guys. Um, I just want to announce that on July 8th, 2 p.m., 8 p.m., Central Park Band Shell, there will be a free event, Peace and Inner Power, Learn Meditation, Bring the Family, sponsored by the Brahma Kumaris, 212-564-4335. Next week's show is uh, we'll have the founder and leader of the Smile Revolution, and you'll hear how she took a thought and turned it into a cause that's going viral around the world. We invite you to fan us on Facebook. It's been my pleasure to be with you today. We're on every day at noon, and we'd like to be your office mate for a half hour. So if you can turn us on without interfering with your work, please do. It's been a pleasure to be with you, and this is Kathy Barrett revealing what's behind the curtain. Thank you.